It is a great day to talk Brewers baseball. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the initial installment, the first episode of Believe in Brewers, a podcast dedicated to Milwaukee Brewers baseball. I'm Kevin Holden, your host for this podcast. And uh, first of all, I want to thank the folks at Believe Networks for, uh, for giving me a chance uh, here to talk Brewers baseball and expound a little bit on a very fun season for a very fun franchise. For those uh, who don't know uh, my day job, I am the sports director for CBS 58 here in Milwaukee. It's uh, a, a tremendous opportunity to see Wisconsin sports on a daily basis. That, of course, includes the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, who have been on a little bit of a tear to start the second half. Uh, you will also, uh, by the way, see me uh, Sunday home games as the Spanish voice of the Brewers on Telemundo, Wisconsin. We do uh, Sunday afternoon home games live in Spanish on Telemundo. I have to put on the foreign language hat. That's not easy, by the way. I need quite a bit of coffee most Sunday mornings to get to the point of being able to talk about baseball in Spanish. But first of all, we'll talk about it in English here. We'll talk about these first several games of the second half of the Brewers' season. What a fun time for an offense that was struggling as much as the Brewers were for quite a bit of the first half of the season, to the point where I think a lot of fans worried that the offense might sink the Brewers' season. It might keep them out of the postseason. Don't know if that's going to be the case after seeing what we've seen in the last couple of series. So let's take it back to Friday, July 22nd. That's the first day that the Brewers started playing after the All-Star break. The Colorado Rockies in town for four games. That night is going to be remembered as a pivotal night, I believe, when this season is said and done. First game of the second half, the Brewers arrested. Some guys in particular, Josh Hader comes to mind as a guy that just needed a couple of days. Hader needed to be with his family. He's been through a difficult family situation uh, with his wife uh, giving birth and having some difficulties in the pregnancy. He was able to be with her for a few days. Uh, the other Brewers were able to take some days off, and it was beneficial for them. They beat the Rockies 6-5 in 13 innings. The 10th inning stands out in this game as a pivotal inning in the second half of the season. I don't know if I'm putting too much on the first game of the second half, but it was pretty big. Hunter Renfro, with the Brewers down two runs in the bottom of the 10th, hit a two-run homer to tie the game and keep the game going. And as you know... The rules in baseball in 2022 start with a runner at second base in extra innings. The idea is to continue getting games over with faster, the ones that gets to, get to extra innings, the ones that uh, you know they can decide in 10 or 11 in a shortened time frame. That's something that Major League Baseball's players and owners both like. I think the fans probably are split on the idea of it, but it is still happening in 2022. So the Brewers tie the game in the 10th. They go all the way to the 13th before the Brewers walk it off. And it's Luis Arias that walks it off with a base hit. And Luis Arias has been a big part of the offensive Brewers resurgence as well. In fact, I think Luis Arias at this point has made it where the Brewers at the trade deadline probably should not be looking at a third baseman. I think Luis Arias has a chance to be the Brewers' everyday third baseman through the rest of the season and the postseason. He has probably at least earned that shot if he stays healthy. So that was Friday. Hunter Renfro, two-run homer in the 10th. Luis Arias, walk-off single in the 13th. 6-5 was that win. And those numbers are important because the Brewers put up six in that game and then nine in Saturday's game, 
three runs in the fourth and five more in the sixth to get Brandon Woodruff a win. That was nine to four. The Colorado Rockies are probably not, what do I want to say? They're not probably the greatest benchmark for success of your team. They are nine games under 500, but it is baseball and those wins still count the same. So if you are able to beat the Rockies multiple times, if you can take a series from any team in baseball, Rockies included, that is beneficial. So six runs Friday, nine runs Saturday, and then came Sunday, which is normally a series finale. This was a wraparound series. The Brewers did play the Rockies the next day on Monday. But Sunday, July 24th, we did that game on Telemundo, Wisconsin. We're talking four and a half hours of baseball. For a broadcaster, a little bit of a slog. I'm going to admit that Jaime Cano and I, the two broadcasters for those Telemundo uh, games, we may have spent a half inning talking about mullets. We may have run out of topics to talk about because there were a lot of 3-2 counts and a lot of first and second nobody out situations. There were a lot of innings that dragged in that game. But again, for those looking for signs of life in the Brewers offense, you found one of the best ones in this game. If I had said to you that in a game, the Brewers would give up two runs in the fifth, two in the sixth, and two in the seventh, You'd say to me, well, that was a nice 6-1 to one loss because that has been the story when the Brewers have struggled from a pitching standpoint throughout the season. Not Sunday. The Brewers battled back in those later innings. They scored a run in the 6th and one in the 7th and three in the 8th to take a 10-9 lead. Andrew McCutcheon hit a ball over Randall Gritchick's head for an extra base hit that gave the Brewers the lead. And by the way, if you can get Randall Gritchick to play center field against you 162 games a year, you'll get a few more wins like that. There are better defensive center fielders out there, but McCutcheon still got it over Gritchick's head and gave the Brewers a lead. This is a game where Milwaukee gives up nine and they score 10. It's essential. You're talking about a team that's trying to eke out every advantage that they can over the Cardinals in the central, over the other teams in the wild card race. And to make that happen, these are the games you got to win. Every once in a while, when you give up nine, you've got to score 10. You've got to find the bat. So, again, going back to the offensive struggles that this Brewers team has had in the first half of the year, they came out of the gate in the second half scoring 25 runs in three games. And Hunter Renfro is at the center of all of it. He hit a home run in each of the three games. Which leads me to another point. Hunter Renfro obviously dealt with injuries in the first half of the season. He was missing for large chunks in that first half. But the legend of Hunter Renfro is upon us. And for a Brewers team in need of offense and in need of power in the middle of their lineup, I think it might be time for Craig Council to consider Renfro as a permanent number four hitter. He's been batting Andrew McCutcheon in that four spot. McCutcheon, by the way, has been a fine veteran contributor to this team. He's done a lot of things. But if we're talking about a more standard cleanup hitter, somebody with that prodigious kind of power, Hunter Renfro certainly seems to me to be that guy. And he showed it in the first three games of that series against the Rockies. Again, three homers and three Brewers wins. That's significant. The series did end with a 2-0 loss on Monday just because I think the Brewers were maybe nostalgic for the first half of the season. <laughs> Too many 2 to nothing games. Uh, in that first half, but uh, it did happen again Monday. So the Rockies did take one, but the Brewers go three out of four. They take three out of four in that series against Colorado to start the second half. Then the Minnesota Twins came to town, 
And this is a baseball special in the year 2022. Two-game series, night game, day game, team is gone. The Brewers did this in Tampa not too long ago, where they played a two-game set, which was night game, day game, and then done. And the idea is to give the teams some sort of rest while they can. In this case, the Brewers played the day game on Wednesday. That was July 27th, and then they're taking the 28th off before going to Boston for the weekend series. So it's a quick series against the Twins. A lot of things can go wrong in any kind of baseball series, but a lot of things can go wrong in a two-game set that's a night game followed by a day game. You wouldn't have faulted the Brewers after taking three out of four against the Cardinals if something happened in that twin series and they either got swept or they'd happen to muscle out one win and split the series and be done with it, but that's not what happened. The Brewers took both games against the Twins, and again, it was Luis Arias in the bottom of the ninth with a sacrifice fly. It was a 6-6 game for a lot of that game, uh, starting, I think, in the sixth. Yeah, in the, in the fifth inning, actually, it was 6-6, six six, and it was that way all the way till the bottom of the ninth with Luis Arias' sacrifice fly that, uh, that gave the Brewers a win. Andrew McCutcheon scored on that play. So, again, another example of Arias giving you a clutch hit, a hit that matters in a huge situation, one that wins you a ball game. Absolutely essential, again, for a Brewers team holding off the Cardinals, and when we're talking about overall record, trying to keep pace with the best teams in the National League West and the National League East. That's another very big game. There is a little bit of a trend in there for the Brewers having given up six runs to the Twins because you go back to the Rockies series and the Brewers allowed five, four, nine, and two. That's 20 runs to the Rockies in four games and then followed it up by allowing six early on against the Twins. That was on Tuesday. Josh Hader did get the win in that game. I think that is a nice step as well. Josh Hader was starting to really struggle before the All-Star break. That fall apart in San Francisco in the weekend before the All-Star break normally is the kind of thing that starts making you a little nervous about him, about Hater, and, and if he's able to keep this thing together or if it was more than a slump. And again, the time off probably did Hater a lot of good. He came back Sunday, got a save uh, in that game. That was a little bit unnerving, the game against the Rockies, the 10-9 game. Hater gave up a run in that ninth inning and then had a little bit of trouble, but got a comebacker to the mound to end the game. And by the way, I don't know if you saw that comebacker to end it, but Hater ran about 80% of the way to first base. I think that was excitement. I think that was the idea that he knew he could escape it. All he had to do was just take a little flip to first base, which he eventually stopped his momentum and did to get the Brewers a win. Fast forward again back to Tuesday. Hater gets the win in that game because the Brewers walk it off in the bottom of the ninth. We know, without a doubt, that this Brewers bullpen is among the best in the game, haters' recent blips aside. Devin Williams, when he's on, is as good an eighth-inning pitcher as you'll find in baseball. Josh Hader, one of the dominant closers in the game. And this brings up an interesting topic among Brewers fans in this moment, leading up to the trade deadline, because we know that the Brewers should be should be buyers. They should be looking at a center fielder. Andrew Benintendi was a possible option. Benintendi's a New York Yankee now. There are other options possibly available. Ramon Laureano from the Oakland Athletics comes to mind. There are options for the Brewers to improve themselves as buyers. 
but there is a chunk of Brewers Nation that would like to see some sort of return for Josh Hader in a trade now, essentially making the Brewers sellers of their top closer and then getting some sort of return. The reason behind this, Josh Hader is probably not going to be a Brewer after next season. He's going to be commanding a lot of money on the open market, and the Brewers probably don't have what it takes to keep him around. And so there is the thought among some that this would be the time to capitalize on Hader's value in a trade. You cannot count me among that group. Uh, I'm among the group, and Tom Hodricourt, the uh, former Brewers writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, is another in this group that believes it this way. If you're going to be a champion team, a team that has a chance to win a World Series, has a chance to win a pennant, You've got to do something that other teams can't do as well. The Brewers starting pitching is probably where that conversation begins. Because very few teams in baseball have Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, and now Aaron Ashby, Eric Lauer, and so on. It is a deep, strong pitching rotation. But the other thing the Brewers have in their pitching staff that they do as well or better than anybody else is Josh Hader in that ninth inning. You should look around the league. Just look around the league from the start of the season until now. I'm not talking a year or two ago. I'm talking about in the calendar year, 2022, look at bullpens and look at closers for the 30 major league teams and look at how many of them have changed between April and the end of July. It is to say it's the most volatile position in the entire sport. And when you have dominance at closer, when you have someone that you can go to for that ninth inning and like 90% of the time he gets it done in a sport that's loaded with failure, that's something you're doing better than the opposition. When the playoffs come and four, three games are happening and they're in the ninth inning, if you've traded Hader for some piece of a future somewhere, you could have Devin Williams close the game out, but there's a domino effect. The eighth inning pitcher is different. The seventh inning pitcher is different. Everyone's a little bit weaker. And the Brewers are trying to win now. I do believe that. They've assembled a roster for that purpose. And so for that reason, Josh Hader belongs on this team, belongs on these 2022 Milwaukee Brewers. It's going to be unfortunate if they cannot get value for him and Hader walks in free agency at the end of 2023, but I think it's an unfortunate price they're just going to have to pay to keep this valuable piece in place as long as humanly possible. Now, maybe there's some world where the Brewers can retain Josh Hader, where they find money to get that contract to Hader, but remember, the Brewers' entire financial future is about to revolve around those young starting pitchers. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff are both approaching, or a few years away, but approaching free agency. And when I say free agency, I'm talking about nine digits, well into nine digits on a payday. Massive, massive paydays. And the era of Brewers baseball that led into 2022 reminds us that the one thing the Brewers could not do was find the best level of starting pitching in the game for two reasons. They were having trouble developing starting pitching, but they could not go out and just sign a top-tier starting pitcher because the salaries they, they demand from other teams and they get from other teams is astronomical compared to what the Brewers are able to afford. The Brewers tried for years to compensate for this 
with Randy Wolf and Jeff Supon and Matt Garza, guys that they could sign to at least workable contracts who were not elite starting pitchers but could be good starting pitchers. And the Brewers had as many misses as they had hits in that situation. This is a golden era for Brewers baseball right now because Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are two of the best in the National League, and they're both Brewers for now. But just like Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder 10, 11, 12 years ago, the Brewers probably have enough money to retain one of those pitchers, one of those starters between Burns and Woodruff for a longer period of time. I think there's almost no chance that they could retain both, especially if that Yelich contract remains on the books and there's no reason to think it won't. So again, the financial future revolves around retaining someone in that rotation or one of the top two in that rotation for years to come. Freddie Peralta has a, a bit of a longer-term contract. Aaron Ashby was just signed to a bit of a longer-term contract. That helps a bit, but you need a front end of the rotation. If this Brewers era of four straight, five straight playoff appearances, hopefully, taught us anything, it's that the front end of the rotation means everything. And that's what they've got to at least attempt to retain with one of the guys, either Burns or Woodruff. So that's my diatribe there about Josh Hader and the future of Hader with this team as the trade deadline approaches. It might, it might be tempting to get something back for Hader right now while you can, while there's value. But the Brewers want to win right now. And Josh Hader gives them the best chance to do that as the ninth inning guy for the Brewers. So back to uh, this twin series, which I digressed off of. Brewers won 7-6 on Tuesday and then in the day game on Wednesday. How about a 10-4 win, good buddy? Rowdy Tellez, two homers and six runs batted in. And I'll touch for a second on another trade-related topic. Josh Bell is a guy who's been attached to the Brewers in trade rumors. Washington Nationals first baseman, there is plenty of pop in that bat of Josh Bell. He's a guy that could help. But man, the more I watch Rowdy Tellez have games like this, two home runs and six runs batted in, the less interested I am in having any kind of at-bats taken away from him. I'm a little torn. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little torn. Josh Bell would be a tremendous addition. He could be a great DH. That will take at-bats away from McCutcheon and probably a few at-bats away from Rowdy Tellez if Bell plays any first base at all. I get that. But I'm a little torn about it. He's a good addition, but Rowdy Tellez is one of the centerpieces of this Brewers team, and what they've done to this point depends in large part on what he's done as a first baseman. So that's kind of tough. They acquire him. Certainly, it's a good bat. We'll have to see. So 17 runs for the Brewers in two games against the Minnesota Twins. They outscore the Twins 20, I'm sorry, 17 to 10 in that series. And they have very much earned a Thursday off as they prepare for a weekend series in Boston. If you've been watching what's happening with the Red Sox, they're an intriguing team in that there's a lot of talent and not a lot of results. They just gave up 28 runs last week in a game to the Toronto Blue Jays. 28, an all-time franchise record for the Blue Jays. So the Red Sox have had their struggles. The Brewers, of course, it's a chance to go to Fenway Park. This is not a place that the Brewers go to normally. I know a lot of players will be soaking up the atmosphere. That is a historic ballpark. It is a wonderful place to watch a game, in my own opinion. Uh, but uh, the Brewers will, will have to bear down because these are winnable games. And at this stage of the season, winnable games need to turn into wins. 
Those Cardinals are not going away. They are three games back as of the taping of this episode of Believe in Brewers. They are three games back at 52 and 47. The Brewers 55 and 44 as they are about to play the 100th game of the 2022 season. This has been Believe in Brewers. Thank you, folks, for sticking around for the initial installment, I guess you call it, the first episode of Believe in Brewers. Hoping to give you some updates a couple of times a week about this team. The trade deadline is coming. There are playoff pushes to come. We will get deeper into the stats, deeper into the analysis, the numbers, and that kind of thing. But just wanted to give you an initial taste of where we're headed for the 2022 season. Here is hoping that Milwaukee Brewers baseball goes into October and gives us plenty to talk about between now and then. Again, I am Kevin Holden, sports director of CBS 58 in Milwaukee and the host of Believe in Brewers. Thanks, and we'll talk Brewers baseball again soon.